welcome to Mythology Breakdown, the podcast where we discuss history as told through myths, legends, and folklore. My name is Tony, and I'm here with... Cece! And we are your hosts. I'm really excited for our episode today, and I know that this is the episode that you've been most excited for as well, right? Oh, for sure. Uh, Egyptian mythology has always spoken to me in some sort of way. Yeah, um, real quick before we get real deep into things, I want to give a blatant trigger warning. Um, I don't think we have anything too scary to talk about in terms of incest and stuff like we normally do. Uh, there is still minor incest and also masturbation, so... Yeah, so, I mean, if you're not comfortable listening to that, this is probably not a podcast for you. The other thing is I have a tick disorder, so at some point during the podcast, I will probably tick, and I just ask that if you're sensitive to ticks, that you please have caution when listening to our audio. Just like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They've been pretty hectic this week, so I'm expecting to hear a lot more. Um, Tony, what's our topic today? So we are going to be covering the Egyptian creation myths. Uh, also, there's some other things, like Cece's fun trivia things, or fun whatever they are. Uh, and then we're also going to be dis- like discovering what gods are equal to what gods, and that kind of stuff in previous mythologies as well. Yeah, I'm so excited. Now that this is the final one of our big four that we're going to be talking about during this series, um, we're going to do a compare and contrast, and I'm really excited about that. I don't know how much research you did into it, but... Uh, I didn't do much, really. I just found which gods correlated to which ones, and uh, some of them, there were a lot of correlations between the previous three that we did as well. Yeah, I noticed that. Lots of... Sames and differences. Sames and differences. Yeah, that's what we're going to go with. <laughs> Sames and differences. Perfect. Um, so I figured we start off with a couple of fun facts. I've got a couple of cool ones today. Um, one is that these myths, I feel like I could not find an exact date for this. I'm sure I will at some point, And when I do, I'll update you guys. But um, the Egyptian creation myths were recorded on hierogly- hiero- hieroglyphs. Hiero- hieroglyphs. Hieroglyphs. Thank <laughs> you. You've watched Scooby-Doo how much, and you don't know how to pronounce hieroglyph? No, I should not (laughs) struggle with that word. Um, But they were founded on the pyramids and statues and everything from that time, which is, I believe, some of the oldest historical recordings that we have. So I'm really excited about researching this. Oh, yeah. Because Uh, while there's still obviously changes from translations and stuff, this is going to be the most pure mythology i feel that we've covered thus far i believe it started in what 2700 bce i don't know something which like is that. far before any other mythology i believe which is the coolest aspect of this conversation this topic yes um my second fun fact for this week is that there were actually no recorded pharaohs until after the recorded time that the gods left the earth mm-hmm so they did not have kings, anything of leadership other than the gods until the gods left the earth, which, earth, which we're going to be talking about later when we talk about the creation myths. Or at least I am. I don't know about you. I've got a couple on here. Okay. Um, I thought that was very interesting. Um, and third is that thus far, all of the gods that we've been looking at have been very much so human. They have human characteristics, but the Egyptians, most of their gods and goddesses had animal characteristics, heads of serpents, heads of cats. Um, So that's one of the biggest changes that we've seen thus far, and I'm I'm quite interested to see if there's reasoning for that as we delve deeper into our as we delve deeper into our research. So yeah, why don't we dig right into it? Um, Tony, do you want to do yours first, or do you want me to do mine first? Uh, so do yours first, so I can see which one uh, you basically covered. I believe you covered what the uh, Hermopolitan myth. I don't think so. I don't know if mine had a name. It didn't have a title. Okay. So I'm I'm hoping that you can just figure it out from yeah the names and reading through and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, go for it. So it all started with chaos, and in chaos. There lived Noon, who was an aimless water. It would later become the Earth. Um, and there was four pairs of male and female deities that encompassed Noon. Uh, each one had their own characteristics. Each pair did. There were invisibility, infinite water, straying or a lack of direction, and darkness or a lack of light. And from noon, a tomb spoke his name and emerged from noon and became the first deity, hmm. the first 
God. Now it's important to notice note that Earth is a reflection of the sky world of the gods. So there are two separate kingdoms, but Earth is just a reflection of what the Egyptian god kingdom looks like, which I find very interesting. Um, yeah, so um, before there was an inhabited kingdom of the gods, the gods lived on Earth, like I mentioned earlier in our fun facts, and they were like Basically, I mean, they live side by side with the humans, so that was that was pretty interesting. <laughs> um, so how did the world get created? Well, Adum created himself by saying his name. We already said that, and he brought order to the heaven and earth, and he appeared as a Banu bird. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop right here really quick and blatantly state that I did not look up how to say any of these gods or goddesses' names. Um, I think that's going to be part of our um, extra Patreon content is um, us learning how us to, learning actually, how to pronounce actually pronounce them. all these names. But I think that's <laughs> part of the fun in these first couple of episodes. Oh, yeah. It's kind of like um, a, we make ourselves look like idiots, but at the so same time. <laughs> if I am pronouncing names wrong or Tony is pronouncing names wrong, go ahead and just angrily email us what the right names are. We won't be offended. Don't worry. Um, okay, so he appeared as a Banu bird, which is um, a mythological creature that is kind of similar to a heron or a phoenix. And the bird, oh god, um, Banu flew Atum down to the earth, and he was reborn like a phoenix. And that's why the Banu is a symbol of rebirth and immortality, kind of like a phoenix is, the same way how it has life cycles. Right. This is, they're loosely based off of each other. Um, so, Atu himself had two children, Shu and Tefna, and they represent life and right or justice. And they separated the sky from the waters, and they birthed Jeb and Nut, which is the earth and the sky. And Jeb provided the land for Re, or Ra, or the sun, to rest. All of my research said his name was Re, mm -hmm. but I've always known it as Ra. I'm wondering if that's just what that certain website used. I use his historymuseum.ca. So I'm not sure if I, cause I've seen Ra in most anything else that I've seen. Oh, are you going to look it up while, while I'm talking? Uh, basically, yeah, I'm going to look at okay. what mine said. Um, so it, the earth was created so that Ra would have a place to rest. Jeb and Nut, they had four kids themselves. Set, which is disorder, Osiris, which is order, and then two females named Nephsis and Isis. And I could, they did, did not explain what they were the gods and goddesses of, but we will cover that later. For the most part, yes. Yeah, for the most part. So, now all of these beings are born. It's kind of separated, very much so like the Christianity creation myth you know, with the creation of the earth and the water and the skies and all of that stuff. And so over time, Ra, or the sun god, ruled the earth. And the eye of Ra created humans. And the story of this was really fascinating, so I decided to include it. Um, basically, his eye ran from him. Like, straight up separated from him and was like, I'm not coming back. You can't make me come back. And so Ra sent his people out to go discover it. And when the eye was found, it started to cry, and that became humans. Huh. Yes. Um, yeah. Created from tears. If that doesn't sum up the human race and why we became what we are, I don't know what does. Yes. <laughs> 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 um, well, so the, the Egyptians got something right. So eventually, the eye was returned to Rob, but by this time, he'd already had another eye grow back to replace it. So he attached it to his forehead, and it became a symbol called... Oh, no, where did it go? Oh, Uraeus. Yeah. So, and all pharaohs after Ra would wear the same symbol, and it was a symbol of the power to see. Hmm. Yes. Page flip. So, um, I didn't really get much... Other than this, basically, I just have that Ra was overthrown when he became old, which brought up the question, do these gods die? Are they not immortal? I'm very fascinated, and I'm so excited to learn more and more and more about this. 
Um, just this basic stuff is very much so interesting, but I mean, I know that there's so much more out there. Um, so it said that he was, oh, um, so he sent his eye, because the gods were trying to overthrow him, the gods and the human, and Ra sent his eye to go and destroy them, and his eye became its own god, called, or goddess, I believe it was a goddess, Sekhmet, which is rage, and it had the head of a lion. Hmm. And Sekhmet, he punished, like, everyone. He basically said, screw you all, I'm going to punish you all. And then he was like, all right, done that, I'm going to become the goddess Hathor, which is the goddess of consent. And Hathor was raised to the heavens by calling Newt, or I think it was Newt, to come and- It's spelled like nut. I know. (laughs) (laughs) To come and pick him up. And when they picked up Hathor, all of the other gods and goddesses attached to him, and they were raised- up into the heaven to become the kingdom of the Egyptian gods. Huh. So that's basically what I found. The earth and the gods now became separate. The earth was still influenced by the gods, but they weren't in direct contact all of the time. Right. Um, and that was what I got for the creation myth. I didn't get a name for it, and I didn't get a ton of information, but I feel like it was a really nice, basic insight into the world of the Egyptians. And I'm... I'm just so excited. I know I've said this so many times, but I'm so excited. So I think your creation myth, right, kind of covers the three that I had written down. Oh, so you just have three extended versions of parts of my myths. Mm -hmm. That's probably where mine came from, is just pieces of other myths put together. Because that's something that, like, you see a lot is translations of translations of translations of... Um, understanding to understanding and symbolism compared to symbolism and what people believe and read when they read it. And I feel like that happens a lot with myths, which is why we have to be so careful when we are studying them to make sure we're actually reading the right sources, which is why we try and use not .com websites when we're doing our research. Oh, yeah. Uh, The website that I had used to find the three that I found was uh, dailyhistory.org. Which they, it took a couple of different clicking of buttons to find this. Because the first one that I clicked on, they were all like, oh, this page can't be reached. I'm like, are you you kidding me? So I had to like dig through the website itself just to find these. All right. Well, so while I didn't have a ton of information, it sounds like Tony has a lot more information about everything that I talked about. So yes, I'm so take it on over. I'm so excited. For me this. too. So this is gonna be long. I would say about like eight minutes of just reading. Uh, so the oldest of the three Egyptian creation myths was called the Hermopolitan myth. Uh, it was named for the city from where it originated, Chemnu, or more commonly known by its Greek name, Hermopolis. Hmm. So the Greeks influenced Egyptian culture as well? Basically. The Greeks were just everywhere, man. Oh, the Greeks were literally everywhere. No wonder wonder their head god was, you know, the biggest sex man of all time. Oh, yeah. Uh, (laughs) Thank you, Zeus, for that one. Uh, So when I was doing my research, it was showing that... Nice. That uh, Greek and Roman mythology were actually influenced with Egyptian. So the Egyptians were influenced by Greece and Roman. Greek mm-hmm. and Roman. So that's interesting because, you know, we were just talking about the breakdown and the how, the, how we can't always trust myths. And it, I mean, this really is because, you know, I've always thought of Egyptian as its own complete thing. So to find out that it is taken from Greece, it makes you wonder, like, what else did the Greeks believe? I mean... Mm-hmm. It's there are so many different things, and that's why I wanted to do this podcast on the main four because the oh, main four the, is so not the main four. There well, are so there, there's just the biggest the four, four that the four that I know the most about, and so why I think it's easier to do this podcast because you know we know a little bit of base information, so we can kind of judge like hey, this doesn't sound like anything I've ever read. Is this actually accurate? Let me look at more. Instead of just seeing the first thing that we see and being like, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And that's why, you know, it took me a few clicks to find the stuff that I was looking for. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So, continuing with this, uh, according to the Hermopolitan myth, life began in the primeval waters, like what you were saying, 
uh, which birthed the Ogdode, or eight original deities, which you kind of covered that. Uh, the eight original deities were grouped in male-female partners, and included Nun and Naunet, He and Hughet, Kek and Kauket, and Amun and Amaunet. I don't know how to say Amunet, I think. Does it say what they're the gods of? Like, I nope. had... Okay, so we can assume that they were the gods and goddesses of whatever I said earlier. Yes. Like, the original eight deities. The ones that basically started this entire thing. Yeah. Invisibility, infinite water, straying, and lack of direction and darkness. Basically, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the details of the physical creation itself are a bit vague in the Hermop Hermopolitian myth, and Ow! instead focus on the numinous and mysterious force of the divine creative power. It states that the most important god of the... I'm so You're good. Uh, the most important god of the Hermopolitian creation myth was Amun, who was known as the Hidden One, indicating the numinous and mysterious force mentioned by Tobin. Amun grew in importance during Egypt's Middle Kingdom, circa 2055 to 1650 BC, until he became the national god during the 18th dynasty. Dynasty, not dynasty. Uh, circa 1550 to 1295 BC. So the Egyptians were around for a long time. Long, long time. Like they have, like they have, oh, they have so much history. Oh, they've been around for over and like the fact 1500 that, you know, years. A lot of the Bible stories happened in Egypt. So I mean, I grew up knowing Bible stories like the back of my hand. Like, so it's I'm I'm. Honestly, I'm super excited to see that comparison over time, too, to the Bible stories that I know with the mythology and history of Egypt. Oh, yeah, like getting closer and closer to modern day yes, uh, am, interpretations is going to be I amazing. Am so, 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 so excited. Um, blah, 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 circa 1550, 1295 BC of the New Kingdom. So there's multiple different kingdoms of Egypt throughout the entirety of the yeah, Egyptian culture. Yeah, I was culture. reading something like that, is that, you know, they spent time developing multiple different kingdoms, and yeah. Which I thought was really cool. Uh, Amun's attributes as a creator god were later combined with more martial elements, which was indica indicative of the period, where the creation in the Hermopolitian myth was somewhat enigmatic... Wow, I can't speak today. Enigmatic... And connected to a mysterious force, creation according to the Memphis nip, Memphis myth there you go. was the result of <laughs> intellect. <clears throat> Which kind of brings me up to the next one. Because okay. I kind of just, yeah. Uh, Memphis, Egyptian for Menifer, served as, e yeah, right? Weird. <laughs> I'm sorry, all I can think of is like, Jennifer... But Menifer, mm -hmm. and I can just imagine going, I'm Menifer. <laughs> right. And I don't know. I uh, <laughs> know if it's anyone named Jennifer. It's a beautiful name. <laughs> My best friend growing up was named Jennifer. It's just. Oh, goodness. Uh, it served as Egypt's political capital ah! for much of its history, and it was also the primary cult center of the god Ta. Like Amun, Ta was depicted in human form, but instead of wearing a feather crown, he was shown wearing a simpler skull cap. In many ways, Ta was the most logical choice of all creator gods, as he was the god of metalworkers and craftsmen. Hmm. Although Ta was known to work with his hands, his act of creation was accomplished through thought and speech. The so-called Memphite theology is articulated fully in a hieroglyph, text known as the Shabaka Stone. Shabaka Stone. If we took away the Ba, it would be Shaka Stone. The Shabaka Stone is named for the Nubian king who ruled over Egypt uh -huh. in the 25th dynasty, ruled like 760 to 702 BC. So this is already, what, like 2,000 years? Mm-hmm. Oh so that's why they said it was so vague, is because from basically 2700 BC to now almost the beginning of the current era the current era is all egyptian which i think is uh, incredible um blah 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 and is dated to 710 BC but is believed by most egyptian 
Egyptologists, that's the word, oh, to be a copy of a 19th dynasty, or possibly even an Old Kingdom original. The creation account of the text reads, There took the shape in the heart. There took the shape on the tongue the form of Atum, for the great for the very great one is Ta, who gave life to all the gods and their Kas through his heart and through his tongue, in which Horus had taken shape as Ta, in which Thoth had taken shape as Ta. Weird. Mm -hmm. I know most of those names except for Ta. Ta. I don't know that name. We'll but go... I recognize all the names. I recognize all the other names. Mm -hmm. I think we'll go over him a little bit later. Yeah, we'll go over him a little bit later. Okay. Then it brings me to the third creation myth. Mm -hmm. This one is insane, and I have a little bit over a page and a half worth of oh stuff to talk gosh. about. Uh, yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> uh, basically, let me just give a little rundown. Uh, the third and probably the most important of the Egyptian cosmogenies were the Heliopolitan creation myth. Heliopolitan? Yeah, whatever. Uh, it was developed early in a pharaonic history in the city of he Heliopolis, Egyptian for Unu and biblical for On. So it's already starting to reach into the biblical sense of things through here. Uh, it was the cult center of the sun god Atum, and there are plenty of references in the pyramid texts to Atum and the Heliopolitan version of creation. So what I went through. Basically. Because I did a tomb and all that. Yeah, basically. Uh, there's a quote in here that really speaks out to me. Uh, the utterances of the pyramid texts as both physical and sexual. Oh, same. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. This, this is the quote. Atum is he who once came into being, who masturbated in On. He took his phallus in his grasp that he might create orgasm by means of it. And so were born the twins Shu and Tefanet. May they put the king between them and set the king among the gods in front of the field of offerings. <laughs> Okay, um, normally <laughs> I don't shamelessly plug until the end of the episode, but um, I'm currently recording <laughs> so I can have some video representation of my tics. Yes. And um, I'm going to screenshot the face that I was making while you just said that. Oh, no. And um, as soon as we get a blog set up or some sort of website page, it'll be on there because... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh... <laughs> It was, uh, yeah, that's why I said in the beginning, there is a trigger warning yeah. for masturbation. I mean, my so. story was just like, oh, yeah, this person and this person, and yeah, I mean, technically we're all incest, but it wasn't graphic like that. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, this creation myth is very, very graphic. Yeah. And... There's not a lot more of this, really. Uh, it basically just goes over what you stated, that uh, Atum created Geb, or Jeb, uh, and his cons consort Newt, spelled nut, uh, <laughs> before creation Osiris, Isis, Seth, and Nephthys. Uh, basically, it's a mythic cycle, and it's considered to have been completed by the end of the 5th dynasty, 2,494 to 2,345 BC. Okay, so we just added on another couple of years, or another couple hundred years. Yep. Yeah, uh, it's crazy. Uh, its influence resonated throughout all periods of Egyptian history. So literally over 2,000 years of Egyptian history. This story in particular was the main focal point. Can I interrupt really quick? Go for it. Um, so I know you don't like this show, but every time we think about the Egyptians, all I can think about is ancient aliens and aliens, how, I mean, this show is literally all about being like, dude, aliens basically created the whole Egyptian like empire and they have like facts and stuff. And, you know, normally I'd be like, mm, and most of the stuff that they show, it's like, mm, but like in the first episode, they found this little airplane model and I just, it's fascinating. Well, so, we don't, I mean, we don't know how the Egyptian pyramids were built. I guess we could say like, were they built from top to bottom or bottom to top? I don't know. 
But I think one of a couple of episodes in Ancient Aliens talked about how the pyramids had to have been built and like how the stones were too perfectly cut to be, you know, just man-made stones. Oh jeez. It's so fascinating. I know you don't like it, but I had to talk about that really quick. This is going to be a long episode. Uh not really. So you already kind of explained the the heliopolitan creation myth. Oh, so that one is basically the same thing as what I said. It's almost word for word exactly the same thing, just kind of split up. Uh, there is another quote on here that I do want to read. Okay. Uh, it looks like there's nothing about masturbation, so we're golden. Yes. <laughs> uh, it says, quote, My father ascends to the sky among the gods who are in the sky. He stands at the great polar region and learns the speech of the sun folk. Re or Ra, finds you on the banks of the sky as a waterway traveler who is in the sky. Welcome, oh, you have, who you who have, and, wow, I can't speak. Welcome, oh, who you have arrived, say the gods. He sets his hand on you at the zenith of the sky. Welcome, oh, you who know your place, say the Aeneid, or Enead. Uh Be pure, occupy your seat in the bark of Re. Row over the sky and mount up to the distant ones. Row with the imperishable stars. Navigate with the unwearying stars. Receive the freight of the night bark. Do you have any idea what that means? I have no idea. So then why? <laughs> uh, basically, it's a profound influence on ancient Egyptian solar theology. Weird. Mm-hmm. The ancient Egyptians were way too smart for their own freaking good. Oh, Yeah. Aliens. Um, but, but no, it was, it's really weird. <laughs> we should have had the ancient aliens theme in our intro music. Oh, no. <laughs> That's copyright. Uh, but yeah, no, it just basically goes through that and like the gods, like you said, going up to the heavens and all that kind of stuff. It just kind of extends on that. So. All right. So do we want to move to our next section? Uh, yeah. Which is what the break, right? No, we're going to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to compare and contrast everything that we've learned so far. Okay. Look at this. It's like we're actually in school. So, um, I didn't really find a ton. I didn't compare and contrast a ton, but I did just want to talk about a couple of things like, you know, out of the four creation stories that we talked about, three of them created with some form, started with some form of chaos. Yeah. From chaos or from chaos or nothing came something. Yeah. And that was interesting because I mean I as I, I guess I found out today that all three of them were technically connected. Mm-hmm. Still. Um I talked about earlier how the Egyptians they had animal characteristics while everyone else was mostly human. Mm-hmm. Um That's actually what set them apart from the other gods. Yeah, I think that Native Americans, a lot of their creation stories also have gods in the form of animals mm-hmm. or with animal characteristics. We're going to be talking about that next week in our... Wendigo. No, we're not doing Wendigo next. I thought we were doing Wendigo next no, week for Evan. we're talking about other creation stories. Oh. Yeah. Remember? Because it's our special episode. Wendigo will be in our Cursed Origins episodes. Mm, okay. I forgot we were doing the Cursed Origins. Oh, I guess that's a sneak peek for you guys. Congratulations <laughs> if you're listening. <laughs> right. Um, just about every religion has some form of, some form of creation story, which is why we're going to be doing next week's episode. And, um, I mean, this is more than just, like, mythologies. Like, I mean, think about the Christianity creation story. I mean, that's the story I grew up with. I mean, this is a story that a lot of people are familiar with, but it is I mean, when it comes down to it, essentially just that, a creation story. Mm-hmm. So that is something that I found interesting. Um, also, trigger warning for that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> because Cece just yes, said creation story. Please don't come at me. Um, we are viewing this in a purely historical sense we are not here to bash on anyone's religion this mm-hmm. is just what we personally have noticed in our findings it is not have we are not trying to hurt anyone's feelings any talk about any sort of religion be it christianity judaism anything like that is going to be purely, purely through the mode of mythology mm-hmm. and 
we're not going to show favoritism to anything. Nope. Or, you know, bash anything unnecessarily. Except me with Norse mythology. <laughs> the rest of the mythologies can just go away. <laughs> <laughs> um. So really quick, um, I just wanted to talk before we get... I guess I can save this for next week. Oh, screw it, whatever. So there was essentially five different types of creation stories. The creation El Nihilo, which is the creation through thought, dream, bodily secretion of a divine being. The earth diver, which had a bird or amphibian dive beneath the ancient waters to bring up land. Right. Um, emergence, which is... Um, Worlds over time that changed and eventually became what we call Earth today. Creation by dismemberment, which we talked about last week when we were talking about the Norse. Right. Because they chopped up the one dude to make the seas and the hills. The the, one dude. The one dude. I can't remember his name. Do you remember his name? It's the first god in existence in Norse mythology. Do you remember his name? Uh, No. Yeah, that's what I thought. (laughs) But I'm, not gonna so call, but I'm not going to call him that one dude, you know. Um, and then the cosmic egg or bringing order from chaos, which is basically the rest of the stuff we talked about. Especially why the Greek mythology myth, myth that I talked about in our first week which with the egg and Nyx and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so next week we're going to kind of look at those a little bit more. But I just wanted to bring that up today in our compare and contrast because... They are not all the same yeah. creation stories. There, I mean, there are a lot out there. Oh yeah, they have a lot of different styles and different uh, wordplay. I mean, they're all basically the same thing, but the way they're presented is so different from one another that you could almost not realize that they're the same thing if you're not paying attention. Yeah, if you took out names, I'm sure a lot of them. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And simplified it. I mean, basically... Which mm-hmm. is what these five divisions are. Oh, yeah. Yeah. More um, of a... Did you have any s- specific compare-contrast things that you wrote down? Uh, not necessarily, really. Um, just the gods and that kind of stuff. Okay. Um, and the last thing I just wanted to say really quick is that most stories were told through oral traditions, which is why we've been so repetitive on the fact that i mean these are all just stories that have been passed down from generation to generation for thousands of years and have been translated a hundred times over so take everything that we say with a grain of salt it might not be what you know it's just what we have found and how we interpreted it mm-hmm. um and that's been very true i mean egypt is the only one that we've talked about that have had recordings from that time through hier- hieroglyphs which i mean once again, can be translated a little bit differently depending on who's reading them. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Um, should we take a quick break and come back and you can quiz me on some Egyptian gods? Yes. So, yes. how the turntables. Um, so, basically, yeah, we're going to take a little break and then we're going to come back and I'm going to quiz the hell out of you. I'm so nervous. <laughs> is the one that I know the least amount of information about. But I'm hoping that I can remember exactly what the gods do. I read the Cain Chronicles by Rick Riordan when I was, like, 15, so I should be a master (laughs) at this. Uh, I just also realized or figured out that Rick Riordan released a Norse book set. Yeah, Caitlin has them, I believe. Oh, um, Caitlin is my sister. She will be on with us eventually to do a couple of guest episodes because she's really into mythology as well. Mm -hmm. Um. But I think Caitlin has them or knows where to get them or something like that. I mean, I could probably just buy them on Amazon like I did the Percy Jackson books. But okay. Let's take a break. (laughs) Yes, break time. (laughs) We will see you shortly. And we are back with the comparison of the gods. Are you ready? No. <laughs> uh, I'm so, so this next little thing is the comparison of the gods between Egyptian, Greek, Roman, and Norse, because some of them have multiple correlations. <sighs> uh, so you don't, don't have to, so, you okay. don't have to remember all of them. So don't tell me. Just tell me what the Egyptian name is, and then I want to see if I can. Of course. If I can guess, because 
I made you do it last week with the Norse gods. Yes. All right, let's do this. Okay, first off, Anubis. He has the head of a donkey, or a, like a dog or something. I remember him, he always has pointy ears. Um, yes. Underworld. What do you mean by underworld? The god of the underworld. Technically, yes. So he is god of the dead. Uh, his his Greek equivalent would be Hades, except Osiris, not Anubis, rules the land of the dead. A more accurate Greek equivalent to Anubis would be Thanatos. I did, yes, because Thanatos is the god of death in Greek mythology. Yes. Now what about Roman? Pluto. No. I don't know what Thanatos so is. So Anubis Rome. was actually combined with Hermes in ancient Rome, since both part play a uh, wow, since both play a part in leading the souls of the dead. But Hermes is not his Roman name. He's combined with Hermes in ancient Rome. So the so Mercury basically think, no, basically. Now I can't remember. Whoops. <laughs> uh, this combined deity was named Hermanubis. 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 Don't look at my screen. I'm not looking at your screen. You were. I can't read your screen. <laughs> oh yeah, you are blind. I am. Uh, next is Apophis. Okay, that one has a snake. Mm-hmm. Is it healing? No. Does it have anything to do with healing? Nope. Um. Oh my gosh, I totally know this too, and you're gonna say it. It's gonna be so obvious. Is there a Norse equivalent? Yes, technically. Can you give me the Norse equivalent name, or will I give it away? <laughs> Jormungandir. Oh, it's like a world under, like, because that's what Jormungandir is, the world-ending snake. Basically, yeah. So, uh, Apophis is technically the father of all monsters. Oh, okay. So, like, Echidna in Greek, but the, mm -hmm. is that what the Greek equivalent is? Uh, Typhon, actually. Okay. Uh, he is yeah. immensely powerful. He's a titan. Evil and chaos, yeah. Okay. Uh, his Norse equivalent might be Jormungandir, the Midgard serpent. Yes, Apophis is said to encircle the world, much like Jormungandir. Yeah, and one of the gods that we talked about last week was the one that killed him. Yes. Yes. Okay. See, I knew that I would know it as soon as you freaking said it. Mm -hmm. Next is Bost. That's the cat one. She's healing, and she's the one that started the cat worship in Egypt. Yes. Uh, she she is Greek. also identified as Artemis by the Greeks. I'm terrible at <laughs> this. She was named Iluros by the Greeks. Uh, next is Jeb. Oh, he's the Earth, he's the earth dude. Mm -hmm. What's um, his counterpart? Or equivalent? Well, not Gaia. Yes. It is Gaia? It is Gaia. I didn't know if they were going to cross gender, because, you know, mm -hmm. I just said Echidna for, no, it's Typhon, so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, uh, they did cross gender that, which I thought was really cool, because yes. technically the gods don't really have a gender. Yeah. Uh, especially the, the primordial beings. And the Egyptian one. Oh, yeah, that too. <laughs> uh, next is Hathor, or Hathor. Okay. He's the one that was the calm mm -hmm. that... Um, Ra's eye became after he defeated everyone or punished everyone. Yes. Is that equivalent to the god of healing? No. <laughs> uh, Hathor, in some Greek myths, rather than Io becoming Isis, some stories state that when Hera chased Io with a swarm of wasps and hornets, she fled to Egypt and became Hathor. Since hmm. Hathor is often associated with a cow. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. When I read that, I thought it was, like, misogynistic. I'm like, oh my god. No. They're calling Hera a cow. No. No, Io was... I'm assuming that mean, they're meaning that Io ran off. Mm hmm And Io was not Hera. Right. Io was cursed by Hera. Yes. Yeah. Uh, next is Hecate. What's got witchcraft? If you have uh, the same name in Greek mythology. I mean, technically yes, but also no. Uh, Witchcraft, magic, darkness. Her Greek equivalent is Aletheia, goddess of childbirth and midwifery. Rick Riordan, you got some explaining to do. <laughs> is she not the goddess of magic? I didn't read anything about Hecate being the god of magic. Rick Riordan, I've got lots of questions for you. Next is Horus. Oh, he became the king of the gods after Ra. Basically. And Osiris. Um... Did he know Helios be- oh. 
I don't know what he did. I don't know what he's the god of. So, Horus is actually equivalent to Ares. Although Horus is more disciplined and less aggressive, he is equivalent to Ares. Hmm. And he is more like Mars, the Roman god of war and discipline. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah, both yeah. are referred to as the Avenger. Mm-hmm. His Norse equivalent would be Odin. That makes sense. Because they are both gods of war. Next is Isis. <clears throat> this has multiple equivalents, so don't. Is she like water and rainbows? And is she magic? I mean, no. Uh, she's equivalent to Hecate or Hecate, Hera, Aphrodite, and Athena. Okay, Hecate is the name that I'm thinking of. Mm-hmm. I've always pronounced it as Hecate because it's one of those names that I've only ever read and not heard out loud. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do you know what the Roman equivalents are? Mm, Minerva. Stop looking at my screen. I can't read your screen. (laughs) Venus. Trivia, Juno, Venus, and Minerva. So you got two right. Okay. The Norse equivalents. Freya. And Frigg. Yes. Yes. I did know that. Good job. Up top. Yes. Uh, Next is Khonsu. Does he have the head of a bull? I believe so. I can't. I don't know. His Greek, Greek, Greek? his Greek, <laughs> biggest dickus. Uh, <laughs> uh, Monty Python and the Life of Brian. Uh, his Greek equivalent would be Selene or Artemis, <laughs> as both are goddesses of the moon. He could also be Cronus or Aeon, as they are both deities who control time. His Roman equivalent would also be Diana or Luna, also for the reason mm-hmm. of the moon. Uh, Maat, spelled like Matt. Is that a snake? Uh, no, actually. Uh, he or she. What animal? I just, I didn't research any of this. What? That is so, we've been talking about this the whole time. I didn't research the animal names be or the animal styles because guess what? That should be for another episode. Okay. And equivalents to what they all are. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, Maat is equivalent to the Greek goddess Themis. Justice, She's rights, a- and customs. Oh. You're trying to figure out which one is the magic one. I'm not telling you. No, I know. It's Hecate. Or Hecate is <laughs> the magic know. one. Uh, Isis, I know. Uh, Nith. Nith. Oh, I know that name. And you didn't write down animal heads, which is not helpful. I don't know. Athena is actually the Greek equivalent, as they are both goddesses of wisdom, battle, and weaving. Okay. Uh, Osiris. I mean, he's the god of the dead. You already... Or yes. The god of the underworld or whatever. He's the one that would be Hades and Pluto and Yes, Hell. his equivalents, equivalents, so there's actually five of them. Oh. Yeah, two for Greek, Hades and Dionysus, two for Roman, Pluto and Bacchus, mm-hmm. and Hell Yeah, for Norse. I, I got them all right. Yes, ma'am. I just didn't know about the Dionysus and Bacchus connection. Mm-hmm. Uh, ta. If you no ta, it's P T A H, but the P is silent. It's it's ta. I have no idea. Uh, remember how I said earlier how he was a craftsman and works worked with his hands. Oh, is he like Hephaestus? He is exactly like Hephaestus. Okay. Uh, Ra, the sun god, also known as Re or Helios, Apollo, Apollo. Apollo, Apollo. Yeah, because yes. freaking Roman. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, the Norse equivalent is Sun. Sun? Mm-hmm. That is literally the name of the god, Sun. Lit. It's dope. Uh, Set. That's the snake one. Yes, but... Um, and it's evil. Yes. Um, is it the equivalent of Cronus? It is not. It is the equivalent of Loki. Oh, Mm-hmm. <sighs> I thought I thought that too when I saw a set. I was like, "Oh, it's got to be Cronus." No, it's it's Loki. 
there is actually no equivalency between Set and the Greek gods or Roman gods. I mean, if it's similar to Loki, though, I mean, Loki is kind of trickery and stuff, and we could compare that to um, Hermes. Yes, technically, but uh, Loki... I know it's very yeah. different, but that's, I mean, if you're going for the basics of the basics, I mean, technically, yeah. it could be a Hermes equivalent if we're, because, I mean, there have been some things in here that are like, oh, that's a stretch. Yeah. So, I mean, I feel like it's not too much of a stretch to say potentially Hermes. What about shoe? Um, all I can imagine is something with a shoe for a head. Oh, my God. <laughs> in Greek mythology, shoe could be equivalented to the air god. Air god. Like, not Zeus. Zephyr? Aeolus. Oh, Zephyr is like the West Wind or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, same with Typhon and Zeus. So, you did get one right. Uh, Sobek. Is that one the god of healing? That is incorrect. Uh, Sobek's Greek right Greek slash Roman equivalents are Poseidon and Neptune. Oh, so it's the water one. Although his personality and stature matches Ares. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So that one has like three in one, two in one, technically. Uh, Thoth is comparative to Hermes. Okay. Mm-hmm. I was I didn't want you to guess that one because you would have never gotten that one. Uh, Pet Bay. I think that's how you pronounce it. Um, the Greek Roman goddess of revenge, also known as Nemesis. Okay, yep. And in Norse mythology, the god of revenge, Vidar. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did way better than that than I thought it would. Su- surprisingly, yeah. Uh, just like last week, how I did better with Norse than I thought <laughs> I was going to. Uh, yeah, it's basically just... All of these are comparative to another god of some sort. There might be a healing god or goddess from the Egyptian mythology, but I didn't see it on the list. So, oh, I mean, just like with every other list that we've made thus far, I mean, there's many, many more names that we're going to oh, be yeah. talking about. This is just kind of like the basics that you're going to hear often. Yes, these are the main gods or goddesses that you're going to hear us talk about, especially throughout the whole lifespan of these mythologies. Yeah, I think our next push into this world is going to be creating a website, and on that website we'll have the organized family trees, mm-hmm. the um, the the descriptions of all the gods. So that's we're gonna we'll we'll let you know when we get that out. I didn't do a family tree for this one. Because well, this yet. was so insane and so yeah, I mean, crazy we'll, that we'll figure. I mean, it's not gonna obviously. It's gonna take time, and we'll add to it. And I'm super excited about that. But that's not coming quite yet. We got a little bit more work to do. Oh yeah, of basic understanding before I think we attempt to do anything crazy like that. Yeah, no, that's a uh, a little crazy. I mean, we gotta purchase a domain, and it's gonna be oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, so next, Cece, what are you wanting to talk about? We've got an in the media section. All right. It's not a very big section, just like, well, nothing has been lately, because there's not a lot of talk about the creation in the media, really with anything. Um, but I mean, you do hear a little bit about it in the Kane Chronicles, the Rick Riordan book that we mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Rick Riordan, I've got questions for you. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's going to become a theme of the show. Because so, that's where all of my knowledge, I mean, not all of my knowledge, but that's where a lot of my base knowledge does come from. Because mm-hmm. they were my favorite book series growing up, was his books. So it's going to be tough to reevaluate my belief in knowledge based on stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm, I'm probably going to end up having lots of questions for Rick and Maybe we can get him on the show one time. Maybe. That would be fun. When we get bigger. <laughs> um... There's a couple movies, um, Gods of Egypt and Raw Path of the Sun God, which was a 1990 movie. So I'm, we should probably check those out at some point. Oh yeah. I mean, there's, that's really all I could find. It was Other than like the mummy and stuff like that. Well, that's not, that's not dealing with the creation. That's more like future stories and stuff. I mean, there's obviously lots and lots of media regarding these subjects just on this creation itself. Just not a lot. Right. Um, well, I think that's all we got for this week. Yeah, surprisingly. Uh, it's felt like five minutes, but yeah. 
Yeah. And this is definitely our longest episode so far, I feel like. Ah, close to it. I'm having a lot of fun with this. Me too. All right. Uh, shameless plug. Yeah, Tony, where can you find us? So you can find us on TikTok at Mythology Breakdown Pod. Mythology underscore breakdown underscore pod. That's it. Uh, you can also email us at basically that it's same mythology thing. breakdown pod at gmail.com. Yeah. We'll repeat that again. Mythology breakdown pod at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. If you could send us suggestions, what do you want to hear? Questions? Did we get something wrong? I mean, just go ahead and send us an email and we'll answer all your questions on air. And we're super excited about that. We haven't gotten any yet. Send some in so that way we can have a we can have an email segment. That mm-hmm. would be fun. Like a one on one kind of thing. Um Except what's it's our Facebook group, others. Tony? Uh so our Facebook group is Mythology Breakdown on Facebook. Of I course. Think it's I mean. also Mythology Breakdown Podcast. It could be that as well. It's a discussion group. It's the same same cover picture as our album cover for our episodes. So just keep a lookout for that. That'll tell us that you're there. We're planning mm-hmm. on making that a discussion group. Yeah. I'm going to start doing polls and that kind of stuff in there as soon as we start getting a little bit more people uh, and a little bit more interactions, of course. Um, not yeah. only just between us and the people, but also the people themselves. And coming soon, we will have our Patreon open. Um let us know what kind of Patreon content you want to see. We're already working on our first blooper reel. That's going to be interesting. Yeah. <laughs> We're also planning on doing deep dives. Um, our first special episode that we're planning on putting on there is going to be how does Google Translate actually pronounce these names? Have we been pronouncing them wrong? So that'll be a fun comedy episode. Oh, yeah. Um. So give us some suggestions so we can get that going. We want to make sure this is tailored to your guys' wants and needs. Yes. Well, until next week, which, what are we talking about next week, Tony? Next week, we are going to be talking about other popular creationism myths, uh, basically just out there in the world. Yeah, I'm really excited. We're going to touch on a couple of Native American myths. We're going to look at the, like, Irish myths. We're going to look at a couple of, like, Asian myths. I'm very excited Mm -hmm. for all of this. I'm I'm mostly excited about the the Hindu Oh, yeah. I'm honestly most excited about Native American because I, I've got a little bit of Native American in me, and it's been a subject that I've always been very interested in, just not known a lot about. Oh, yeah. So, until next week, I've been Cece. And I've been Tony. Have a good night. Mm-hmm.